Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matasek, Digital Editor for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. The National Day of Prayer and Remembrance for Mariners and People of the Sea will be celebrated on May 22nd. The day honors those who serve as merchant mariners and recognizes the benefits of the maritime industry. Later in this broadcast, we will share an encore interview Archdiocesan Communications Director Sean Kane conducted with Monsignor John Fitzgerald, Executive Director and Chaplain of the Apostleship of the Sea. We'll learn more about how this Dundalk-based ministry reaches out to seafarers from across the world who work at the Port of Baltimore. But first, Catholic Review reporter Emily Rosenthal introduces us to Joseph Hamilton, Director of Mission Advancement at the Shrine of St. Anthony in Ellicott City. Part of the Shrine's property is currently being used for Little Portions Farm, a collaboration between the conventual Franciscans at the Shrine, a local farmer, and the Franciscan Center, an outreach in Baltimore whose food program will receive the fresh produce grown on three acres of the Shrine's farmland. A herd of cows has even taken up residence at the Shrine to help fertilize the soil. Here's Emily Rosenthal's interview with Joseph Hamilton. Thank you for being on the show, Joe. Could you tell us about the Little Portion Farm Project, which partners the Shrine, the Franciscan Center of Baltimore, and Mary's Land Farm? Little Portion Farm is an initiative of the Franciscan Friars Conventual in Ellicott City, in partnership with, as you say, Franciscan Center of Baltimore and Mary's Land Farm, to steward our resources to care for the poor and care for creation at the same time. We, here out in Ellicott City, where the Franciscans are, we have 85 acres of land. We have leased that land over the years. Um, At one point, very early in time, the Friars farmed it themselves. In recent decades, they've leased it. But in in recent years, it grew corn and soybeans, uh, alternating commodity crops, as they're called, that go to all sorts of things. I mean, the corn will be feed for animals. It'll be ethanol. It'll be corn sweetener, for instance. And soybeans can be all sorts of food additives as well. And we just thought, but that's not really food. That's not really feeding people, per se. So uh, we started thinking, well, we should move this, this acreage over to actually feeding people. And so that began the idea. And in doing so, uh, in, a, in a more environmentally sustainable way, we looked at pesticide use. We looked at Roundup, you know, herbicide use. And we just we didn't want to do it. So that began a series of questions that would lead to talking with the Franciscan Center. If we did grow the food, where would it go? Of course, we reached out to other Franciscans. It would be the first place we would go. And Franciscan-hearted people, um, Tom Cunningham at Mary's Land Farm, is a very good friend of the Franciscans here in Ellicott City. So he was the farm partner that we would go to. And we, we just started a conversation that resulted in us putting three acres, little portion farm is a three acre portion of the overall property, all of which will be grown exclusively for the Franciscan Center. Um, working in partnership with the center as to what they need, but being able to grow fresh, local, organic food for uh, the hot meal program there. 
And you, you spoke about how the first people you would reach out to were other Franciscan centers. So would you mind talking a little bit about how this project aligns with the ideals of the Franciscans and of St. Francis? We use the term care for creation a lot these days. You'll see this all over the place. In some ways, you know, that's Christian language. You know, we would use the term creation, and uh, we certainly don't reject environmentalism or the environment or any of the kind of language of mm, the current sort of environmental movement. But to the extent that it comes from a Christian perspective and um, a Franciscan perspective, we have to recognize that all of creation, whether it's the trees, the water, the air, the soil, us, other animals, you know, human society, is all a creation of our God. And so to the extent that that celebrates all of this glorious creation that God made, that's very Franciscan. Um, you know, the Canticle of the Creatures, uh, St. Francis's famous poem, prayer, um, some say it's the first um, literary work in the Italian language as it split off from Latin. I was always told that Italian school children learned it that way for a very long time, that the first piece of Italian literature was the Canticle of the Creatures. Celebrates creation, but it celebrates it all as um, pointing back to God and the goodness of God. So to the extent that what we're doing is celebrating that and trying to protect that, it's very Franciscan. The second piece is that going to the margin and helping the poor. In, in whichever way that's defined, whether it's uh, somebody with a, a disease in another country or lacking water or food somewhere, that's very Franciscan. So, so always Franciscans will find those in need as a ministry. And so in some ways, um, in this modern, very modern period we have, particularly with uh, Laudato Si, you know, the, the Pope's encyclical from a few years ago, where he weds those two things together. And uh, we see that Caring for the poor and caring for creation, in a sense, caring for creation for, for Pope Francis and for St. Francis really encompasses everything. It encompasses caring for all of us. And the water and the soil and the air can be voiceless, poor, quote unquote poor, or poor, um, as much as a human can be poor. And so basically, he's helped, he's helped us in the Catholic world put language to. Uh, this m much more expansive definition of creation and uh, our obligation and, and wedding the way caring for the poor is caring for creation and uh, we can define poor in lots of ways. So you talked about Pope Francis' Laudato Si and, and the Franciscans and how those ideals kind of go together. And so how does this project go along with the whole mission of the Shrine of St. Anthony overall? The Shrine of St. Anthony is... Uh, is a place where we, we both venerate St. Anthony of Padua as a member of the Communion of Saints and his role in, in our lives today, finder of lost things, and, and, and those aspects of, of the devotion to St. Anthony. But the other side really is following the footsteps of St. Anthony. St. Anthony was the first theologian in the Franciscan order. He was a public, uh, very outspoken public uh, defender of the faith, apologist, Hammer of the Heretics was one of his uh, nicknames. And uh, to the extent that he was always proclaiming the gospel of Jesus, through words and through many actions, this effort to make a very public witness to caring for the poor and caring for creation as a, a central tenet of 
not only the Franciscan movement, but of our, of our Catholic faith, is very much something that Anthony would have done. So in that regard, as a, a continual preaching of the gospel of Jesus, it's very much in keeping with the mission of the Shrine of St. Anthony. That's awesome. I heard that you were the one who initially had the first idea. So would you mind telling me just a little bit about how you first came up with it um, to put the farm on this property? I became interested, I don't know, 10 years or so ago, at some point earlier, about my own health, uh, about eating better, uh, about the environment, all of the issues that we've been talking about in my own uh, sort of life. And uh, and as well, honestly, having children. Uh, when my first daughter was born in 2003, it, it changes the way you view the length of the future. The future gets a lot longer beyond your own life into the life of your children, the life of your grandchildren maybe, and you think a lot about what you are leaving to them. And so while you hear those words, you experience them acutely when you become a parent, at least for the first time. And, and I did, and at that time I was here, I was working here, and being formed by the Franciscans that I knew and, and worshipped with and, and uh, talked with. And so there's health, there's environment, there's Franciscan uh, spirituality all happening. And I became what was called a food and faith ambassador at a program out of the Center for a Livable Future at uh, Johns Hopkins School of Public Health. The program was called uh, the Baltimore Food and Faith Project. And uh, it was a multi-week training in the food system. And uh, various problems our current food system has and uh, various solutions to those problems in the food system, making both food more uh, equitable, more available, uh, and healthier. So when I really learned those pieces is when I, I began to think about this property differently. So I had all those sort of feelings prior, and then I had knowledge, and that's when I would begin coming here and thinking, wow, okay, we're growing corn. Why are we growing corn? Now I could put it in a context. I wonder what we're doing with that corn. Ah, I don't think we're feeding people. That's not sweet corn. That's not what's a giant when you, you buy it for corn on the cob. And suddenly the things I was learning that seemed theoretical were very concrete in front of me. And I started sharing that with the friars, you know. And it, it became a project of our Justice, Peace, and Integrity of Creation office. The director, Father Michael Lasky, of that um, office here of our province, um, I shared it with him. That would be the obvious office. I shared it with our minister provincial. I shared it with various, and our uh, we call it JPIC. The JPIC office liked it a lot. And so once they took it institutionally under their wing, then we started working on, well, how will we do it? If we're going to do it, how will we do it? And then we, we made a proposal, and it, it was approved, and we've begun implementing it. So it was a very long journey, both in, in my personal life and, quote-unquote, professional life, working with the friars, um, and uh, just an enormous blessing and lesson in faith and perseverance and trust, really. Uh, it, it's been wonderful. Absolutely. And good luck with the farm and everything Thank and, you. and all of your work here. So we have been speaking with Joe Hamilton, the Director of Mission Advancement for the Our Lady of the Angels Province of the Franciscan Friars Conventual in Ellicott City. We will be back in a moment for more on Catholic Baltimore. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. In mid-May, Pennsylvania police were still looking for the body of Sister Angela Miller, a member of the Sisters Servants of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, who is believed to have been murdered by her nephew, Alan Smith, 
On or before the same day, Smith set fire to Sister Angela's home in Scranton, Pennsylvania, April 28th. Sister Angela served six years in the Archdiocese of Baltimore as a teacher at St. Rita in Dundalk and a pastoral associate at St. Elizabeth of Hungary in Highlandtown. Rosemary Smith, Sister Angela's sister and the mother of Alan Smith, was shot and murdered by her son before he set the fire. Alan Smith also died in the blaze, a death that was ruled a suicide. Rosemary Smith and Alan Smith lived on one side of a duplex home while Sister Angela lived on the other. Investigators searched the home for Sister Angela's body but failed to find it. They suspect that Sister Angela was murdered by Alan Smith sometime before he set the fire. Father C. Lou Martin, pastor of Christ the King in Glen Burnie and a former associate pastor of St. Rita when Sister Angela served there, remembered his friend as, quote, the kind of person who would reach out to people on the fringe, unquote. For more on this and other stories, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm George Matisek. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android, and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today, in print and online, at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. Monsignor John Fitzgerald is the executive director and chaplain of Apostleship of the Sea, a ministry that reaches out to seafarers from around the world who work at the Port of Baltimore. What follows is an encore presentation of a portion of an interview with Monsignor Fitzgerald conducted by Sean Kane in 2015. In 2014, 29.5 million tons of cargo came through the Port of Baltimore on ships from foreign countries. The port is one of the busiest in the United States and brings merchants and seafarers to our city from all over the world. These seafarers, many of them Catholic, can be here for a short time or for many days and can be away from their families and their homes for months at a time. Helping them stay connected to their loved ones and to their Catholic faith is the job of the Apostleship of the Sea Ministry here in the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Monsignor John Fitzgerald, a retired Navy chaplain who has spent much of his priestly life in sea-related ministries, is with us today. Monsignor, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thank you. So you operate the Apostleship of the Sea ministry. Uh, For those who are unfamiliar with it, um, can you give us a sense of uh, what the mission of the Apostleship of the Sea is and and how you go about that? Several churches have a ministry to uh, seafaring people. The Catholic Church has uh, the Apostleship of the Sea. It's in most of the major merchant ports around the world. Baltimore uh, has had some attempts at having it in the past, but none of them really stayed. Cardinal Keeler, when I retired from the Navy and came back after 30 years away uh, to Baltimore, 
asked me to start the Apostleship of the Sea, and uh, I was glad to do that. I had a sensitivity for people of the sea and their problems and their families' uh, difficulties. And uh, we uh, have volunteer workers. We have a ministry to these people, and they really need help. They don't live a normal Catholic experience of parish life, of worship, study groups, Bible studies, charitable programs, because they're at sea up to eight, nine, ten months of the year. And um, their contact with the church, as most Catholics experience it, is minimal. Mm. And you were you operate at a physical location, but you also take your ministry on the ships themselves. Is that correct? Right. We have a seafarer center in spaces that the archdiocese rents in Dundalk. Uh, why Dundalk? Like in real estate, location, location, location. Uh, a port is a genus. Terminals are the species under the genus. Baltimore Port has about 14 terminals. The two biggest are right there in Dundalk, and they account for more than 50% of all the tonnage that comes into the port. And so we decided that's where the most seafarers could be within 10 minutes of our front door. And you referenced that um, the seafarers themselves have a pretty unique and different Catholic experience. Uh, What are some of the more common spiritual needs that you encounter um, among the seafarers that you deal with and see in your in your location? The seafaring life can be a very lonely life. The statistics from the Union in London, the International Transportation Federation, tell us that this trade has the highest suicide rate of any trade in the modern world around the world, not just in the United States or in Europe. And that's a concern for the church right there. There is a high divorce rate because of the absent father syndrome, because 95% of all merchant seafarers are young adult males, indeed young adult males from what we call emerging countries, not affluent countries. And uh, they're away from home, and they're uprooted, and they're supporting patriarchal families. There's a lot of pressure on them. And they um, they have a very secular, hedonistic, uh, selfish kind of environment to work in, in a, in a world uh, of modern societies. And uh, the props that they get from parish support is just not there for them. So I would imagine there's, their needs range um, from the practical to, sure. um, to the spiritual. Can you just talk a little bit about you know, what it is that, they, mm-hmm. that you provide and what they look for? We provide mass for them. We have a beautiful little chapel that's expandable. But we don't emphasize that as much because we'd rather take them in our vans from the ship to a local parish experience of a Saturday evening or Sunday morning mass where they actually get to worship with a congregation. And many of our parishes know they're coming because we tell them they're acknowledged in the prayer of the faithful. They're welcome, coffee, donuts, whatever. And that's a much healthier, healthier environment for them and a highlight of their stay in Baltimore. We have Eucharistic ministers who have lay leader programs aboard the ships next to the piers. We have adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. We have rosaries. We have DVDs, CDs, lending library of books. Uh, I do a lot of pastoral counseling, uh, a lot of confessions uh, there. We get involved in some marriage preparation work. We, we do some 
RCIA work on the go, uh, it's very difficult to do because they're not stationary. But we do that type of uh, spiritual work, yeah. And you also help connect them with their loved ones, is that right? Yes. Loneliness is uh, a big thing, as I said earlier, and we help them deal with it by providing them with phone cards at a good rate, a discounted rate for international calls. We have a bank of phones. We have a bank of computers. We have Wi-Fi. We have Skype. We have an enclosed walled patio that has the Wi-Fi also, and then go outside in the good weather, and um, they can get in touch with their families that way. And I would imagine among those who are frequent uh, travelers through the Port of Baltimore, the ones who know you and know the, the, the center there, they probably look forward to the opportunity to come there and, and, um, and kind of re- recharge and reconnect. Yeah, they do. And it's interesting that, Sean, that you pointed out those that frequently come because some ships are what we call uh, tramp steamers. They'll get a one-time deal contract. We'll probably never see those seafarers again. Others are like a bus route. Cape Town, South Africa, Baltimore, Charlestown, Caracas, Venezuela. Uh, And we see them quite frequently throughout the year. We get to know them. And uh, they, they call us and tell us what ship they're going to be on. They email us. We email them. We keep in touch with them. It's, a, it's quite a support for them. Uh, this Obviously, this ministry is a passion for you. you you've spent a, so much of your priestly ministry uh, connected to the Navy. How did that develop for you? The transition from 30 years of active duty with the Navy and the Marine Corps was uh, a great experience for me. I never even gave it a thought when I was in the seminary. But uh, Father Jay Claboon, a Jesuit priest, a graduate of the Naval Academy, as a matter of fact, uh, he uh, convinced me that's what I should do. And he convinced Cardinal Keohar that's what I should do. And so I, I did that. And I, my expectancy was uh, to come back, go to Rome, do some update studies, and then uh, become a pastor of a parish. Uh, then Cardinal Kaler surprised me and said, with your background, I'd like to really get going in the port uh, with the Apostleship of the Sea. Would you mind doing that? And I resonated with it. Uh, it wasn't something I thought of, really. And um, because during my Navy time at sea, uh, I would go to ports on ships of war, the American Navy, with sailors and Marines, But I would also notice in those ports the great difference between how well the United States provides for the needs of its military personnel that are seagoing in the Navy, the Marine Corps, Coast Guard, compared to the provisions made for the personal lives and the well-being of international merchant seafarers. It was night and day. So there was a need, and you saw it, and and it seemed like a good fit. Yeah, I said, this is great, yeah. You've been listening to a 2015 interview with Monsignor John L. Fitzgerald, Executive Director and Chaplain of Apostleship of the Sea. For more information about the work of the Apostleship of the Sea, call 443-845-7227. Again, that number is 443-845-7227. For Catholic Baltimore, I'm George Matisek. We'll see you again next week. 
For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. Join Catholic Review Media and the Archdiocese of Baltimore to see the Passion Play in Oberammergau, Germany, June 19th to 27th, 2020. Travel with Archbishop William E. Laurie, Father Michael Fapiano, and Father Jim Prophet on a nine-day, seven-night pilgrimage to Austria and Germany. Land-only price is projected at $3,399 per person, double occupancy. There are still a few spots remaining. Reserve your seat today by visiting archbalt.org slash passionplaypilgrimage. Again, that's archbalt.org slash passionplaypilgrimage. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.